You know, one of the most dramatic events in human history took place on the night Jesus was arrested. And, and I'm not talking about his actual arrest. I'm talking about the meal he shared with his disciples. We commonly refer to this as, as the Last Supper. It took place in the upper room. Uh, Jesus had gathered with his disciples, as he did many times, to celebrate Passover. Passover was just a time for the nation of Israel to remember all that God had done to set them free from Egyptian captivity. They're remembering this. Some 1,400 years later, Jesus is, is preparing to, to have this celebration with his, with his disciples. But what's interesting is leading up to this, things weren't going as well as, as they were before this. Um, before this moment, the, <clears throat> Jesus was kind of coming into his own, and the crowds were growing, and his messages were getting better, and miracles were getting bigger. And then things begin to shift. Rumors begin to spread that the religious leaders were coming uh, to, to get Jesus, that they were going to find a way to isolate him and arrest him and, and, and falsely accuse him and, and of all the things they wanted to. And it, things began to seem like they were taking a step back, like, like we were losing momentum, like we were, we, we were actually taking a step back. And, and it's confusing because that's not how it's supposed to happen, is it? I mean, after all, if God is with you, things get better. And, and that's what we think, and I'm pretty sure that's what his disciples thought. They're coming into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, but, but they're not coming in with, with all the fanfare and people lining the streets and <clears throat> the crowds gathering. No, no, they're coming in under the darkness of night. They're sneaking into this house, to, to the upper room, to celebrate Passover together. They get there, and in the Gospel of Mark, it tells us, When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Now, what's interesting is, I'm sure when he said this, none of the disciples slipped their hands up like, Yep, that's me! Right? They're all like, No, of course not. Jesus takes it a step further. He says, One who is eating with me now. It would be like going over someone's house for dinner, someone who you love dearly, maybe a family member or a friend, and saying, I know what you're about to do. I know you're about to betray me. Of course, uh, they were saddened by this. They were disappointed. And one by one, they said to him, Surely, surely not I. Master, Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, surely it's not me. Surely I won't do this. Jesus says, It is one of the twelve. One who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go, just just as God has predicted, the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. You know, this book, the Bible, is full of stories, full of narratives that were written or that had taken place during incredible times of uncertainty. I mean, read read through some of the scriptures and and go to maybe your favorite Bible story or your favorite psalm or your favorite proverb or whatever it might be, that favorite story you grow up with. Almost all of these incredible stories were birthed out of times of, of just incredible uncertainty. This book is not a book about rich people having fun. It's not a book uh, about, you know, everything's going right and it just keeps getting better. Like Monday was great and Tuesday I got a job and, you know, Wednesday I got a raise and Thursday I got a bonus and Friday we found out my kids are going to med school, all expenses paid. Like, no, no, this, this is a very different kind of book that all, all of the stories and all of the narratives and all of these things that birth this, this incredible meaning and influence in our lives and throughout history were birthed from times of just incredible, incredible uncertainty.
You see, you read all of these stories and what becomes incredibly clear is this. You read these stories and you discover that God was right there in the middle of all of that, in the middle of those times of uncertainty. And here's the amazing thing is that somehow, somehow God still had the whole world in his hands. And I think what we need to hear today is he still has the whole world in his hands. Every single story, read it for yourself, every single story. Don't take my word for it. There's nothing, there's nothing more that I would encourage you to do during this time of quarantine and isolation where we need hope to go back to the Bible, to go back to this, this compilation of books and documents and read through these stories that give so much faith and so much life. And read about how all of them were birthed out of times of extraordinary uncertainty. But there is still a God. Nothing has changed and he still has the whole world in his hands. The story with Mark goes on. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And I'm telling you, when he said this, it just kind of like sucked the air right out of the room. When they had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take it. This is my body. And they're thinking, Jesus, seriously, like we've had so much of this negativity. Like stop being a downer. Stop like enough with, with the death, enough with, with the body. What do you mean this is your body? Then he took the cup and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank it. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And he foreshadows what was about to take place in just a few hours that he would be arrested, wrongfully accused, that he would be condemned to death and he would be crucified right before their eyes. They then leave the room and they head out to the Garden of Gethsemane where there is so much drama. Eventually, this is the place where Jesus would be arrested. And things just keep getting worse for Jesus and this ragtag group of followers. If it wasn't bad enough that he said one of them would betray me, he says, oh yeah, and by the way, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, and this is the part that the disciples had never heard before. But after I had risen, he said, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter, you know, Peter's the bold one. Peter's the one who speaks up. He's kind of the fiery one. He's like, you know what, Jesus, enough of this, enough of the death, enough of this, this arresting nonsense, enough of you being, being put under, enough of you being put down, enough of the negativity. Jesus, we've had enough of this, this backwards momentum. Surely not. This is not going to happen. And then he kind of, he kind of declares himself. He says, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not fall away. Because Jesus, that's not how the story is supposed to go. right? Even if everyone abandons you, I'm not going to fall away. That's just not how, how it works. Because if God is for you, then everything should work out. Then everything should get better. Then everything should just go that way. Sure enough, Jesus was right. Peter, the, the man who spoke up, would not just fall away, but, but in a few hours when he is accused by a little girl of being one of Jesus' followers, he denies it three times. Sure enough, all of the disciples fall away exactly as Jesus said they would. And they continue to experience this incredible uncertainty. Now, now here's the question. 
And here's a question that all of us need to answer in the midst of what's going on. As we continue to experience this incredible uncertainty with, with jobs, with our children, with our family, with, with, with school, with, with our, our retirement, with, with our economy, with our government and our leaders, with all of the uncertainty, here's the question. Can you trust God? Can you trust God with, in the midst of all this uncertainty, even though it seems like, like, like nothing's happening, like he's not answering, like he might not even be there? Can you continue to embrace God with, with all of the faith, not even being able to see? You see, your answer to that question, your answer to this question will determine your response to the uncertainty in our country. You see, for Americans, we've kind of learned to, to, to view God this way. And, and if God's for you, then there's prosperity. And why not? Because we've all experienced prosperity. And if God is with you and if God is for you, then there's all this forward momentum. Because for most of us and most of our lives, all we've ever experienced was forward momentum. And if God is for you, then everything just works out right all the time. See, but I imagine if you were to go to this group of disciples, if you were to gather the men sitting at this table months from now and and say, hey, hey, James, John, Peter, hey, hey, Matthew, when was when was the darkest time? When when was that darkest time that you were with Jesus and you just felt like 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 he was absent, like God was distant, like like God just wasn't doing anything? When was that darkest time for you? My guess is every single one of them would say that night at the dinner table. It kind of started it all. That night sitting around with Jesus, it it, it kind of pushed everything into into high gear where we just felt like like all of this backwards momentum, like everything was kind of falling apart. Like maybe we should should have never followed. Maybe we made a mistake. Because from there, things just got worse, right? Jesus would get arrested. Jesus would be wrongfully accused. Jesus would be put to death before their very eyes. And after all, If the Son of God died, then can he really be the Son of God? And in the midst of all that uncertainty, in the midst of all that darkness, if you were to ask that same group of guys, hey, hey, Peter, James, John, Matthew, all of the disciples, when was that time where you felt like God was doing the most? Was it when, you know, when he healed the lame guy or when he healed the blind man? Was it outside the tomb when he yelled for Lazarus to come forth and Lazarus literally came forth? Like, Like, it must have been those moments. I think they all would have said, no, no, it, it was those same hours sitting around the table where we felt like it was the darkest or we felt like God wasn't up to anything. But the truth is God was up to so much more. Although we couldn't see it, God was still at work. Although the times were uncertain, God was not uncertain Although it seemed that in the midst of all of this, this backwards momentum, God was doing things, doing things that for the next thousands of, of, of years, people would be, be celebrating these hours in between that darkness and, and that, that light from when Jesus was risen, because that is, is the pinnacle. That is the apex of Christianity. That is the moment that salvation becomes a reality for all of us. So, you know, it, it was in those moments. See, what's interesting is it's always in those moments, isn't it? 
It's in the moments of the brokenness where God tends to do his most. It's in the, it's in the moments where we feel like, like, <clears throat> like we're at the end, like, like there's just no more time. And then God shows up and does something amazing. Now, I, I know if you're anything like me, we tend to think God's a little late because we wouldn't have let, let it get that far. But God shows up right when he needs to and does exactly what he has to. It's like God's in the habit of taking the brokenness and, and, and the darkness and the loss and the uncertainty, and he's willing and he's able to do something significant for it. God takes the biggest messes, and he does his biggest work. This is what God does. But the question for you and the question for me remains the same. Will we maintain faith when we can't see his hand? When our faith begins to stutter, when our faith begins to waver, when we, when we take focus off of him and we start looking at all of our circumstances and all of the things that, that, that tend to be going wrong in our life, or will we keep our faith in him? I recently read about a guy who just had some incredible courage. I, I, I read it and I thought, I've got to tell the story at some point. This man, his name was Reverend Moss. Reverend Moss was born in Georgia in uh, 1935. He was born an African-American boy in 1935. Uh, when he was 16 years old, he lost both of his parents. We're not sure how they died, but we know that he lost them. And now he's, he's being um, raised, he's growing up in the middle of Georgia in, in the early 1950s. Th this man experienced the worst that this country had to offer as far as hate and racism goes. At 19 years old, he wanted to go into ministry. He gave his heart to Jesus and he wanted to, to go into ministry and he did and he ended up becoming friends with a guy named Martin Luther King Jr. And he became part of, of that movement. He, he marched with Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, at D.C. He was part of the core group of men and women that would experience <clears throat> what hopefully nobody will ever have to ex experience in this nation ever again. I mean, you, you want to talk about times being dark and times being uncertain and times being, being hopeless. He experienced the worst of the worst of what this nation had to offer as a young man. And yet later on in his life, as he's recounting these stories and he's recounting all of his life's experiences, he would break from the stories and he would say this. He would quote from Romans 8. I love this. He says, and we know, and I'm thinking, <clears throat> yeah, we know this, right? We know that in all things, and what I tend to think is, but my all things is very different than your all things. Right? My, my all things doesn't compare to the all things that you've experienced. The all things that you've experienced, it, it seems so great and there's so much uncertainty and there's so much darkness. But for a man to be on that side of all that darkness, to look back and say, but in all things we know that God works to the benefit of those who love him. But sometimes, sometimes it takes him a while. I love that last part. He would say, but sometimes... It takes a little longer than you thought. Sometimes it's not the way you thought it would play out. But you need to remember, just because it's not playing out the way you thought, just because it's not playing out how you thought, doesn't mean he's not in control. He still has the whole world in his hands. Even though times might be uncertain, God is certain. Even though times might be troubled, God is not troubled. Even though our economy might be shaken, God is not shaken. Your circumstances might dictate a whole different set of experiences, but God says, no, I am, I am still there and I still have the whole world in my hands. 
for the next few weeks. Here's what, I, what I'd like to do. I would just like to take a look at some of those stories that we, so we could redirect our, our faith, maybe redirect our vision, redirect our focus to a God who says, no, I'm still there. I've never left. And the whole world, your world, your uncertainty is still in my hands. So that in moments like this, where we feel like, like we are just overwhelmed with darkness and loss and uncertainty, we can keep our focus on him. Because although the world might be shaken, God is not. Although the world might be uncertain, God is not. He still has the whole world in his hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this amazing opportunity, Lord, to share God's scriptures, God, and to share it in such an amazing way. Lord, I know we can't be together to gather physically, but, but Lord, with the, a, a technology and how amazing it is, Lord, we could share this message and we can build each other up and we can encourage each other. And this morning, God, that's exactly what I pray happens. I pray that our hearts would be encouraged. God, that, that through this time of isolation and quarantine, that, that our focus wouldn't be on, on the uncertainty of, of our economy or of our jobs or of or the situation with our children, Lord, but our focus would be on you. That we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that though this world is troubled, you are not. That though this world might be in uncertain times and dark times, Lord, you still have the whole world in your hand. God, I pray you would give us the wisdom to see that and the courage to believe it. And then I pray, Lord, you'd bring us back here next week to continue, Lord, to discover that you've still got the whole world in your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Journey, I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Have a great week. Have hope in your God who is still there and who will never leave you. I'll see you next time.